First of all, Happy New Year. Happy all New right. Year. Happy, Happy New Year. It's the beginning, the beginning of the year. And because it is the beginning, we need to assess the importance, weigh the importance of having a beginning. Beginnings are important. Resolutions, I don't know how many of you made one, but resolutions are birthed from the knowledge that beginnings are important. It's like having that new sheet of paper. Okay, I get to put a first mark on it. What is that mark going to be? Resolutions are birthed from the fact that beginnings are important. This is the beginning of 2018. Now, our Creator God, who has no beginning and no end, gives you and me, His mortal children, all we need for our beginnings. This morning was a new beginning. Making breakfast was the first breakfast, the first meal of the day. It was a new beginning. God knows what I need in every one of my beginnings. I would not know where to begin, but he does. And that's the point of the importance of beginnings. He not only knows what I need in my beginnings, but he knows I wouldn't know it naturally. And so he wrote it down for you and me, his mortal children. He wrote it down. You know where it's found? In the beginning of your Bible. It begins with Genesis 1.1. Ready? In the beginning, God. Stop there. The most important thing I must know about my beginnings is that he is in them. In the beginning, God. I would like you to take that phrase with the verses you're memorizing in this month of new beginnings and say it every day. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. The most important part of beginning 2018 is God. So I want you to think back. When God moved and he spoke creation into existence, he whoosh, released his newly made planetary system into the swirls and the spin and the ticking and the cycle of time. When he did all that, earthly time began. It's a mystery that we don't totally understand, but he says in Genesis 1.15, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So you and I measure everything by God's timetable. You think 2017 flew? Well, girls, 2018 is going to fly even faster. According to God's timetable. So it's imperative that we learn what we need in our beginnings, in the beginning of this year. In the beginning, God. Tell your neighbor right that. Tell her. Tell her. In the beginning, God. That is what you must seal in the beginning. So often, I begin with God. I do. I begin with God. So often. But, like New Year's resolutions, it fades. I wander. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Why in the world? Would I leave my God who is great, who is powerful, who is glorious, who is victorious, who is majestic? Why in the world would I leave 
Well, not only is he all those things, we know that God is all of those things, but the thing that makes it so precious and personal is that God, who is all those things, is personally our Father. When we ask Jesus to come into our life and be our Savior, God adopts me into the family of God. And now all that he is and has, I get to be a partaker of. So not only is God, oh, my, my poor mind. What, what was the first one in a verse? Good, good, great, great. He's great. It, it's greatness. God is, yeah, great. Not only is God great and powerful and glorious and victorious and majestic, but he says, child, I offer all this to you because we're family. I love that. It's personal. I get to go in my beginning of 2018 and know that he will empower me and strengthen me and give me the victories that I need. I know that he will impart his greatness unto me. He's my father. Doug has a drawer in his office. That is the grandkids' drawer, okay? They have free access to it. And, and we put in just exactly what we know is good for them. For instance, we have gluten-free treats in that drawer because Caitlin's gluten-free. We have mostly non-sugar things. Now, he does have sugar in his office. You all know that when you've brought your kids or grandkids in there. He's got a separate drawer that's, that's full of sugar. But the grandkids' drawer is full of things good that will do nothing but good for them. So there are sugar-free treats in there for Caleb. And, and little Autumn, um, you know, Autumn just needs to eat. <laughs> so, so anything else that's in there. And, they're just, and not, only, not only does he have a treat drawer, he's got a little bank in there. Because sometimes, sometimes they need 50 cents. Sometimes something comes up in the class where they're going to contribute to something or they need to buy something. And they know they can go into Grandpa's drawer and open it up, and there's a little pen and a pad of paper there, and they write down, thanks, Grandpa, took 75 cents, Autumn. And they leave it in there. And they know that they have free access to what they need to get. And girls, it brings such joy to Grandpa and Grandma knowing we can supply those little daily needs. Do you know our Father is exact? Matter of fact, it says in Scripture, you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts. How much more do I, your heavenly father, want to gift you every day? He knows exactly what I need, and what he gives me will never harm me. It won't be, it won't be filled with stuff that's going to hurt me. It's exactly what I need. That's who our father is. Why in the world would I wander from him? Mm, well... The answer is found in that very statement of what in the world would possess me to wander. The answer is found in that statement. He doesn't possess me. Lesser things do. All right? This is where we're going to springboard. The best question I can ask myself every day that will keep me accountable and keep me close to God is this. And this is what you need to write in your paper. How sovereign is God in my day? How sovereign is God in my beginnings? How sovereign is God in me? 
That's the question you and I need to ask every day that helps keep us accountable to our wandering ways. Now, sovereign, the word sovereign, we don't hear it much anymore. And when we do hear it, it kind of makes us shiver because we know about sovereign rule. We are so used to our democracy in America and our freedoms. We hear the word sovereign, we go, ooh, I don't want any part of that. Just the opposite of that is true with God because God is a good God. God is all authority. And the authority he wants me to submit to is all for my good. So when we hear the word sovereign, it means, Webster says, it means supreme power and authority. God is supreme power. God is all authority. But he blesses his workmanship, you and me, with what? Free will. Free will. So every day we live with the fact that, yes, God is all power and all authority, and he needs to be sovereign in my life. And on the other hand, I have Kathy who has free will because God says, I will not superimpose my authority in your life. I want you to choose it. I am a God of love and a God of holiness and a God of power and a God of authority, but you have to choose it on purpose. And we pray the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed, holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We say it with our words, but our lives generally go, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed, holy be thy name. My kingdom come, my will be done. And there's this juxtaposition of my fleshly ways, my natural ways, my carnal ways that are always in battle with God's ways. But because I have the Holy Spirit indwelling in me, he continually woos me back, calls me back. If you are a child of God and you wander away, there is not a moment that your father's not calling you back. So the word sovereignty, isn't it a heavy word? You know, I love the feelings of words. Sovereignty. It's, it's almost a burdensome word as we think of countries who have sovereign kings who abuse their people. Sovereignty, it's heavy, it's serious. But with God, just the opposite is true. Jesus said, the words from his own mouth, my yoke is what? My burden is what? When you yoke up with me, when you allow me to be sovereign in your life, it is light. It is easy. Lighter and easier in the way you will live if you stay on the throne of your life, if you become the sovereign person in your life. So, how do I know that I'm giving God all authority? Number one, the places he wants all authority. He wants all authority in my words. He says, Kathy, put me first in your words, in the beginning of your words. That's why I encourage you guys every morning as you step out of bed, let your first words be God. God, this is the day you've made. I will rejoice. It sets me in the right direction, my first words. Uh, God, be first in my thinking. My thinking is going to begin with you. Wow, do I go in a different direction when I honor God and the, his authority and his word in my thinking. My reactions change when I honor God first in my reactions. Oh, they are at polar opposites. Kathy's reactions to disappointment or to hurt or to something unfortunate or something mean. Kathy's reaction, oh, it's going to take me to a worse place, a horrible place. 
but when I submit my reaction to the authority of God. And, and this is so neat how you actually can learn obedience in this. You don't have to feel it. You just have to be obedient to it. And God does his work in it, which totally changes, first of all, me, and then many times the very situation that has brought me sadness or disappointment or anger. So God, you're first in my reaction. Now, because God, when God is not in my thinking, what happens, and here's a, a good personal test, is God all authority? Is God all authority in, in my day-to-day? Is he in the beginning of this day? Was he when I got up? Was he when I got ready? Was he when we drove to church? Was he when I talked to my husband? Was he, was he in charge? Um, this is how you tell. When God is not in my thinking, what happens when things go wrong or go in a different direction than I expected? Number one, my response, my actions prove if he's in charge. There's, <laughs> it's so visual. It's so audible. My reaction, my response, my actions prove if God truly is in charge. It reveals who the authority is in my life. Do I really believe unto the truth that God does all things well? When something doesn't turn out, my response to it, either whether it's out loud or inside, proves whether I truly believe that or not. And it shows if God is in authority. Um, the proof isn't in the pudding. It's in the problem. This is a good thing for you to take with you this week. How many are going to have a problem this week? The proof of God's authority in my life and that he's in the rightful place in Kathy's heart and mind is going to be proven in the problem. All right? Now, this gets exciting because even in the verses that we're memorizing, God is all victorious. God is victorious. He's great. Good morning, good morning, dear ladies. Do we have any more of those sheets? Okay. Okay, great. I'll get, I'll get one too. Um, God will prove that in the problem. So, I want you to put yourself, we just celebrated Christmas, okay? Um, think on the wise men. How many of you would love to be wise in the problem you're going to deal with this week? Yeah. All right. Think of the wise men. Now, I did a study on the wise men because I had to chalk them, and I thought, oh, it'll help me if I learn about them before I chalk them. And so I love studying about the wise men. So I did a lot of reading on the wise men. I'm just going to touch with a couple of things as you put yourself in their sandals. And we're dealing with, is God sovereign in my beginning? The beginning of 2018. Is God <coughs> sovereign in the beginning of my day? Is God sovereign in the beginning of this problem? In the wise man's sandals, Christmas, the wise men. Um... They acknowledged God, of course, because they started out on a great trip for months and months and months. They traded their luxurious living for the lumpy back of a camel. Mm. The freshness of their quest had long since evaporated in the hot desert. But nonetheless, months of traveling, plodding one foot in front of the next, up the dunes, down the dunes. 
they stayed faithful to it because because every night what came out girls the star the star led them they were following what they knew to be true and right it was the quest of their life and so they stayed faithful beckoning them onward every night there it is there it is we'll travel again but then one night what happened the star did not come out they could not see the star the star was not there was that a problem here are these faithful prominent kings wise men giving everything they had to follow God and then it's dark there's a problem there's a big problem what did they do I love this because you know what we go through dark times don't we when that which we have been relying on disappears what do we do it reveals who God is in my life first of all now let me chart you what these wise men did number one they acknowledged God in their darkness this is huge acknowledging God in their number two they kept going in the same direction they kept going in the same direction now what did they not do they did not quit they did not go back and they did not change their viewpoint about God when this horrible thing happened to them this they didn't know where to go when problems come to us when we cannot see when what we've been relying on has been taken away what do we do number one we learn to acknowledge God in the dark God I don't know which way to go I don't know what to do but your word has told me you will never leave me nor forsake me I'm in the dark but God you're not your word says light and dark are the same they're the same to you I love this in Psalm 139 12 the darkness and the light are both alike to thee God you're here with me in the dark and I know that you'll direct me then number two acknowledge God in your dark time and then trust in his word I love this we all know it by heart but boy when you go through a situation where you have to apply it it becomes the precious word it becomes thy word is what a light unto my path a lamp unto my path a light unto my feet <clears throat> showing me the way in the dark you go back to his word when all that you've relied on when when there's something horribly disappointing that has come what do you do number one you acknowledge God he's in charge remember the verses we're memorizing for January he is great he is powerful he is glorious he is victorious he is majestic God you are all these things but even more precious to me because I'm so self-serving you're giving all these things to me your child you're the author of every good gift I've ever received thank you father in my dark you are all these things but you promised them to me number two you go to the truth of God's word to light the next right thing to do or the next right thing to say if you're problem-solving with a person he will give you exactly what needs to be done 
to engage this person in a godly way that is going to bring God glory and is going to deal with the problem. So number one, number one, we acknowledge God. Number two, we take the truth of his word because that becomes our lamp. When we can't see which way to go, his word becomes our light. Next, what don't we do? Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't go back in a different direction. Don't change my viewpoint about God. When your best friend does, don't follow them. When your children change direction, don't follow them. Follow God. Number one, they're going to need a light in the future to see. And when I keep following God, I keep that godliness and that light for them to turn around and say, well, it's true for mom. It's true for Kathy. It's true for that Sunday school teacher. I've watched her walk through things. God is the most important in her beginning, her middle, and her end. Number one, don't follow those who fall away. Oh, it's so hard when it's children. Don't follow them into the world when they say, holiness is too hard. It's not. It's life. And number two reason, exceeding great joy is right around the corner. Going back to the wise men, Matthew 2, 9 and 10. The star came back. The star came back. And they saw that all along God had a bigger plan. God wanted them to talk to Herod. He He wanted something that they did not know. And so the star disappeared, which took them to Herod and to a the whole picture of God's bigger plan. So often, girls, we just don't have the bigger picture. All these dear prayer requests, God has a much bigger picture involved in these that we can't even see right now. But we will. And exceeding great joy is right around the corner. And as the wise men followed, they experienced it. And girls, as wise women, you and I will too that exceeding great joy. So, how I respond reveals who's really in charge, who has all authority in my life. Now, I have to confess to you, as your Sunday school teacher and as a lady who you know quite well, my first reaction, and I'm telling you, it's your reactions that reveal who's in charge. My first reaction is always my flesh. My flesh beats it every time. My first response is rolled eyes. My first response is this word, oh, great. My first response is, again? Or my first response is, you've got to be kidding me. But the very words bring such a conviction to my heart. Because that morning in my Bible time, God, I want you to be all authority in my mouth. I want you to be all authority. I want you to be in my every beginning. In the beginning of this, and when that problem or when that disappointment hits, and I go, oh, immediately the Holy Spirit that lives inside of every child goes, no, 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 no. God's in charge. God is all power. He's great. He's glorious. He's victorious. He's majestic. And then this pathetic thing that's happened is going to lift you up, and you've got exceeding great joy. Be faithful. 
Let him work through you. And immediately I confess that, Lord, I'm sorry. You are in control. You made time. You began time. And you are in charge of this moment. I thank you that I can trust in you. I have something else I wanted to say here, and I forgot. Um, it'll come. So how I respond. Oh, oh. So, so if you never arrive to that point of immediately your first response being a spiritual one, I relate. It's okay. It's okay. When I then back it up with, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God, forgive me for rolling my eyes, even as my mother did when I was young. God, forgive me for that first response. It, it didn't bring you glory. It didn't honor you. I was setting myself up for control. I want to control this situation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this situation. God, I can't fix it. I can't control it. But you can. And girls, that beautiful submission brings such a peace that passes all understanding. And God, even if it doesn't, if you don't give me the answer to my heart's desire, I know that there's something bigger that I'm not seeing right now and that you are only a good God and that you will bring it to pass and I will trust you in it. I just can't tell you how that takes away daily anxiety. Um, it unravels the tightness that our society is living with today because we've pushed God out of everything. So, oh, I'm never going to finish this. Um, oh, I, I need to read you this. This will go with you. Stories, I love stories. I remember stories. I forget scripture. I forget messages. I remember stories. Many years ago in the highlands of Scotland, a group of fishermen sat around a table in a small pub telling their fish stories. Oh, and I love our theme. I will make you fishers of men. Wow, I love our theme. Okay, so as one of the men flung out his arms to more vividly describe the fish that got away, he accidentally hit the tray of drinks that the servant was bringing to the table. The tray and drinks sailed through the air, crash landing against a newly whitewashed wall. As the sound smashed and the glass broke and the splashing drinks permeated the room, the pub became silent and all eyes turned to the ugly brown stain that was forming on the wall. Before anyone could recover from the startling interruption, a guest who had been sitting quietly by himself in the corner jumped up, pulled a piece of charcoal from his pockets and began to quickly sketch around the ugly brown stain. To the amazement of everyone present right before their eyes, the stain was transformed into a magnificent stag with antlers outstretched, racing across the highland meadow. Then the guest signed his impromptu work of art. His name was Sir Edward Landseer, Great Britain's foremost wildlife artist. Now, ladies, God transforms our lives as Sir Landseer transformed the ugly mess on that pub wall. God excels in transforming ugly brown stains into works for his glory and in my life when I give him all authority. There are four areas in which we vie for control. Now, understand that buying for control always breeds anxiety, always. 
vying for control. It will be my way. I will fix this. This is gonna. This is gonna work. It always brings anxiety. Um, I read a really good book that Tina had recommended to me last fall, and I reread it over Christmas vacation. It's entitled None Like Him. None Like Him. And she, this author gave four areas that we are always struggling with to control because we want control, and I think especially women. We women are very detailed, and we want, we figure if we can make every detail right, then this is going to go how I want it to go. And it's a control issue. And, and we get it out of control. So there's four areas that we're going to talk about. We'll probably just hit maybe one, and then we'll pick it up again next week, Lord willing. Four areas that we fight with God's control. I need to know these areas because I need to make myself quickly accountable as I determine in the beginning, God. God, I want you in control in this area. And the first area is especially for women. It's our body, okay? It's our body. Um, how we deal with, how we talk about, how we care for our body reveals much about my desire for control over me. Now, number one, recognizing God's authority and God's viewpoint about my body immediately gives me a different viewpoint than what is shoved down our throats in America every day. God's viewpoint. Number one, it's not my body. It's God's. We're stewards of this body. We're to take care of it. This is what God says about our body. Ready? 1 Corinthians 6. What? By the way, we're made for his glory, not mine. His glory, not mine, with the body he gives us. What? Know ye not that your body is what, girls? The temple of the Holy Ghost. Ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God where? Oh, not my words? What's the first thing that God mentions? In my body. Do you know why? The body's so visible. The body is the first thing that people see. Wherefore, glorify God. How can I glorify God today? In my body. In my body. Knowing to be a good steward of this body because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Taking care of it, but not becoming obsessed over it. And not using it for my glory. Okay, I'm going to park here just for a second. Because that's all I've got. The body. Our young people are growing up in America that has put such focus on the body. The body is beautiful. God made it. We are his workmanship. But like everything we touch, we taint. And the body is used primarily now from the time a a little girl is 10 years old till she goes to the grave as an object of eye candy. It's all sexual orientated in America today. And it's wrong, wrong, wrong. And you, dear moms and grandmas, need to promote what is right, right, right. My body is the Lord's. I'm a steward. I'm his workmanship. And God is the author of beauty and style and design. There's nothing frumpy about God's idea on how this body should look. But it should bring God's glory. Now, you know, I I really could get on a rabbit trail here. 
Yeah, yeah. This, this whole issue of what I... See, when I know that my body is God's and I'm his workmanship and his... That immediately makes the difference when I open up my closet and choose what to put on. Why? Because I'm for God's glory. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I represent him. But what happens is there is such influence in... I'm talking about Christianity. I'm not even talking about the world. Of course they don't know how to dress. But though the Christian, girls as women, we should be, God spells it out, modest, lovely, clean, appealing in a beautiful way of a representation. There's a world of difference between stylish and sexual. And when what I put on hugs and pulls and plunges so that every dimple and crevice is revealed... Mercy, mercy. And God even says that by my mercies, present your bodies in a way that's acceptable unto me. Now, now the sad irony of all this is there is great power in an attractive body. There is great power. That's why it sells billions. And there is great power to every teenage girl who knows she can catch his eye by how she looks. Okay? all been there we've all done that the problem is that she catches his eye and obviously obviously the guy is going to look well yeah because god wired men that way and then when this sad relationship that is based purely on her showing her skin years down the line when it falls apart, and sometimes it's not even that, and if they even get married, she's heartbroken because the relationship is so shallow. Hello? It's, excuse the expression, skin deep. That's all she was offering. You moms and grandmas promote to your children and grandchildren, does that person love God? Does that 12-year-old talk about Jesus in a good way? Do they pray? Do they pray? Do they share anything other than what they've read in magazines? You be the warner. You be the voice. Why? Because Satan does more to use our bodies for his designs than anything else. And yes, God restores. And yes, God forgives. And yes, there are new beginnings for which I praise him for. But you don't have to get to that point of ruin. But it's up to you and me to say, God has a beautiful plan for your beautiful body. Now, we get obsessed in a whole bunch of other different ways that we're going to talk about next week, but I have to close. So number one, this is the beginning of 2018. In the beginning, God. Learn these verses. We're going to quote them every Sunday in January. And we're going to see where we fight for control, where God is not the authority in my life. It's the body. It's going to go into our possessions. It's going to go into relationships. And I thought I was going to cover all four of those. Anyways, Happy New Year. God bless you.